Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The Turn the clock to zero, boss. The river's wide. We'll swim across. Started up a brand new day. Addition as the Bengals wrap up the regular season and now can look ahead to a first round playoff game at home against the Las Vegas Raiders next Saturday. Coming up, you'll hear radio replays from the loss in Cleveland, post game comments from players and coaches, and analysis from my broadcast partner, Dave Lapham. Then, in this week's Fun Facts segment, you'll get to know rookie running back Chris Evans. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play next-level fantasy football game. Downloaded now from the App Store and Google Play. And here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since... The Coffin Nails Bam 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 T-Shirt. Eleven years ago, in my first season of broadcasting Bengals games with Dave Lapham, the Bengals made a big play near the end of a game to clinch a win, and I yelled, That's Coffin Nails! And Lapp immediately exclaimed, Bam! 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 After the game, they replayed the call on the postgame show, and I thought, Hmm, I kind of like that. And thus... A tradition was born. Our version of, and this one belongs to the Reds. Well now, our friend Josh Sneed and the folks at Cincy Shirts have put that phrase on a t-shirt, along with cartoon images of me and Lap. I've got to admit, it's pretty cool to have our own t-shirt, and a portion of the proceeds will go to Lap's First and Goal Foundation that will give scholarships to deserving students. If you're interested, just search for Cincy Shirts coffin nails. It's right up there with the master's green jacket and Paul Brown's sideline fedora is one of the greatest items of clothing in sports history. Now, let's get to Sunday's game. The Bengals starting lineup consisted of only three players who started last week. Offensive lineman Isaiah Prince and Hakeem Adeniji and wide receiver Jamar Chase. Here's Zach Taylor on the decision to rest the starters even if it meant hurting the Bengals' chances of gaining a higher playoff seed. No perfect decision there, but just felt like we, we need to be healthy, perfectly healthy going into next week. And there were so many things out of our control in terms of where the seeding was going to be um, that we just felt it was best to, to rest some key guys. Jamar Chase was an exception for one reason. He entered the game needing just 12 yards to break Chad Johnson's team record for receiving yards in a season. First and 10 Bengals at their own 28. Allen throws a screen caught by Chase, gets a block, runs yeah. for the 30, 35, 40. Yeah. He's got the team record <laughs> down the sideline past midfield, and he goes out of bounds at the Cleveland 48. Greg Newsom ran him out. So that catch for a 24-yard gain gives Jamar Chase the Bengals' all-time single-season record for receiving yards in a year. I achieved a lot of stuff that I wanted to do this year. I still got a lot more to do. Hopefully, I could break some playoff records. When we drafted him, he said he was going to break all the records, and it was hard to know if that was going to be true or not. But um, he's put himself in a position to do that, not just relying on his talent, but um, becoming a professional really since day one and his consistency over the course of the season. And, and that's one of the reasons why you want to play him in a game like this for an opportunity to get a couple more yards um, to put himself in a, in, a, in a position to do something really special because uh, he's about what we want to be around. You know, we want our best players to have the best work ethic 
and, and come to work every single day and be consistent with their demeanor and their actions. And Jamar has been that for us. And I'm uh, just really proud of him in the season that he's had. Jamar finished the regular season with 1,455 yards. He finished 18 yards short of the NFL's all-time rookie record set by Houston's Bill Groman in 1960. That catch was one of very few offensive highlights for the Bengals in the first half as they punted on all six of their possessions. The Browns punted on their first two before taking the lead late in the first quarter. Keenum back to throw, looking downfield, fires. Landry makes the catch at the seven, swerves toward the forward pylon, and takes it into the end zone for a 26-yard Cleveland touchdown. Case Keenum started at quarterback in place of Baker Mayfield, but aside from that, Cleveland played nearly all of its starters including an offensive line that paved the way for 205 rushing yards against the Bengals' backups. The Browns go tempo. They hand it off to Dearness Johnson. He runs straight up the gut and into the end zone for a Cleveland touchdown. So the Browns have scored on back-to-back drives and have taken a 13-point lead pending the extra point. Dearness Johnson carried 25 times for 123 yards. But even though the Browns dominated statistically, the Bengals were able to stay in the game thanks to two big plays on defense. Now Keenum in trouble, Get loses it. the ball. Get on it. Cincinnati scoops it nice. up. The Bengals are running it back. Nice. Henderson to the 10, 5, touchdown! Bengals, it. Wyatt Ray knocking the ball away from Case Keenum and safety Travion Henderson with the scoop and score. Here's Trayvon Henderson on the first touchdown of his NFL career. Honestly, man, I really didn't know if it was a fumble or not, we always taught his defensive players to just scoop the ball just in case. And when I crossed the line, honestly, I thought they was going to say it was an incomplete pass. Like, he had his arm going forward. But then they said it was touchdown. Like, I don't know how they reviewed it that fast, but it was a good feeling for sure. It was 14-7 with three and a half minutes left in the half. The Browns answered by driving to the Bengals' 11 with nine seconds remaining. Case Keenum drops back to throw. He fires over the middle, intercepted nice. two yards deep in the end zone. Nice. The Bengals are running it back. This is Hilton to the 25, the 30, oh. gets tripped up and goes down at the 32-yard line. The ball appears to have come out, but the clock is at zero. We've got penalty, penalty flags flag. down yeah. as players are trying to pull players off the pile. That's a penalty. But the end zone interception by Mike Hilton keeps the Cleveland Browns from adding to their lead. And it was fitting that Mike Hilton got the pick. He only played because two members of the secondary, Ricardo Allen and Vernon Hargrave, suffered injuries, meaning Hilton was the only defensive starter who was pressed into service. Oh, it was it was unexpected. Um, but, you know, being a professional, you got to be ready at all times. And the, the coaches threw me in there knowing, you know, they felt comfortable with me being out there with whoever. But, you know, just, it's just always being ready for your moment. It was 14-7 Cleveland at the half. After only having three first downs in the first half, the Bengals put together a long drive on their first possession of the third quarter, a 14-play march down to the Cleveland 10 before having to settle for a field goal try. This will be a 36-yard field goal attempt for Elliott Fry in his Bengals debut, subbing today for Evan McPherson. The snap, the put down, the right-footed yes. kick, and it is good. It hits the crossbar and bounds forward. Elliott Fry <laughs> makes it from 36 yards out. It was close, but he got it to bounce over, and the Bengals have pulled within four. That made it 14-10 going to the fourth quarter. 
And with roughly 13 and a half minutes to go, the Browns fumbled on a punt return near midfield. Unfortunately for the Bengals, Cleveland managed to recover and soon capitalized. Third down and nine from the 10. Keenum throws a screen to Felton, running down to the ah. five, to the goal line. Touchdown, Cleveland. Good call. That made it 21-10 with about seven and a half minutes to go. To have any chance to win, the Bengals needed to answer, and they did with a 75-yard touchdown drive. Game on the line right here, fourth down and one. At the Cleveland four-yard line, the Bengals need a yard to stay alive. Allen is under center. He takes the snap, rolls out to the right, throws for Evans, yes. caught at the two, nice. and he runs into the end zone. Nice. Touchdown, Bengals, with 2.26 to go. Now the lineup and go for two to try to make it a three-point game. A little naked bootleg there. The Cleveland Browns get good pressure, but not good enough. Chris Evans caught the touchdown pass, but a two-point conversion throw for Trent Taylor fell incomplete. The Bengals were down by five as they lined up for an onside kick with two and a half minutes to go. He kicks the top of the ball. It bounces up. It's oh, fumbled it. by Cleveland. It. The ball is loose at the 49-yard line. There's a giant pile at the 49 of Cleveland. The Bengals have started celebrating. Yeah, Fry no signal from it. the officials yet. Bryant was the guy that failed to field the ball that was kicked yes. right to him it short hopped in front of Bryant and he couldn't handle that short hop Fry immediately I'm telling you Dan I've been in these pileups there's a tug of war going on now and the guy that originally has the football sometimes doesn't end up with it it took about a minute and a half for the refs to rule that Cleveland recovered it the Browns ran out the clock to win the game 21-16. You know, the, the season's always full of its ups and downs, and it, and it really comes down to which teams can handle the adversity the best. And and to never get too high and never get too low, and I thought our team did a great job of that, responding in the face of, of some tough adversity and, and handling success at some moments well. And and uh, we finished the season, you know, aside from the loss today, on a really good note with a lot of confidence, and that really does matter in this league. To, to finish going into January and mid-January in the playoffs, um, you know, feeling like we're playing our best football and playing with a lot of confidence. Our guys really feel that right now. And so, um, you know, it, it's, it is, is the biggest game that any of these players have ever had wearing a Bengals jersey next week at our home stadium. Um, you know, we, we had tremendous crowds these last couple of weeks when we were at home and we're expecting our best one yet uh, whenever we find out when we're playing and who we're playing. And our guys are excited for that opportunity. So now it's on to the playoffs. After having the first pick in the draft prior to last year, and the fifth pick in the draft prior to this year, the Bengals will host the Raiders on Saturday. Here are Mike Hilton and Zach Taylor. We, we, we know we're one of the most talented teams in, in the league, and we have an opportunity to do that against the other most talented teams in the league. I feel like when, that, when the playoffs come, it, it's scheme can only take you far, so far. So we know with, with players, you, you have to win those one-on-one -on -one matchups. You have to make those big plays on both sides of the ball. So... We, we feel confident in the, in the guys we have in this locker room, and we're all excited about the opportunity because a lot of them haven't been this far. So I know they'll be looking forward to it, and they know it's a lot on the line. This is what we've been striving for all along, to be quite honest with you. And we've we've been our guys, uh, been on our guys to be consistent with how they practice every day and raise the standard, so that when you get to this moment, we don't have to change what we're doing. And and I think that that's that's why I've got a lot of confidence in the group of men that are in that locker room because. 
I don't need them to raise their standard of play and how they practice and how they make, they've been doing that all year. And that's why we're in the position we're in. And, and uh, that, that's going to serve us well, you know, and we'll just, we'll see how it plays out, but our guys are going to be ready. As you may have heard, the Bengals haven't won a playoff game since the 1990 season, dropping their last eight postseason games. That's 30 seasons without a playoff win. The longest such streak of any team in the NFL but most of the Bengals players weren't even born when that streak started. Sometimes they don't know what they don't know, and that can be a really good thing. You know, you you you, you certainly can't avoid um, some of the narrative that, that surrounds us sometimes with our playoff experience. But again, these guys don't have that playoff experience. Um, you know, so there, there's a lot of things they've done this year to to change some of those things. And, and this week will be no different. You know, they don't feel that pressure. Um, they don't think about that stuff at all. That It's more just stories and and People maybe who have been here longer than we have talked about it, but I can promise you that it doesn't have one effect on this football team and, and our approach going forward this week or how they'll feel on, on game day. I'll take it a step further. If anybody thinks Joe Burrow is going to feel burdened because of the Bengals' playoff drought, they haven't been paying attention to Joey Franchise. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play fantasy football game. Ultimate Bengals awarded a weekly winner during the course of the season with tickets, autographed merchandise, and money-can't-buy experiences all up for grabs. Find Ultimate Bengals in the App Store and Google Play. Now, time for post-game analysis with my broadcast partner, Dave Lapham. So, Lap, the regular season ends with a 21-16 loss in Cleveland. The one thing the Bengals could guarantee today was that if they didn't play guys, those guys would not get hurt. That was the route that Zach Taylor chose. And I think it's a wise one. You know, I, I, I think there's a lesson to be learned by what happened to the Kansas City Chiefs now. Could they potentially have a bye? Maybe. But if they don't, I mean, what if Kelsey's limping and gimping, uh, you know, in their playoff game? What if Hill, with that heel injury, a bruised heel, those things, those things linger. Um, that's a cautionary tale right there. And I think, I think that uh, they made the right move, and particularly both teams. I mean, the Cleveland Browns and Bengals both had guys going down in, a, in weather conditions like this, playing this type of football game. So in the Bengals' situation, I can see why they made the decision that they made, and uh, we'll see if it pays dividends uh, when they take on whoever it is next week. There were a few solid performances in the loss defensively. Mike Hilton with an end zone interception. Travion Henderson with the scoop and score after Wyatt Ray forced uh, forced the fumble. Marcus Bailey had 11 tackles. Clay Johnston had 10. Offensively, Chris Evans, 35 rushing yards, 24 receiving yards, and a touchdown. Mike Daniels was active when he was in the game. Yeah, I mean, I think at the line of scrimmage, Cleveland Browns had 377 yards on 66 snaps. The Bengals had 182 yards on 51 snaps, 3.6 yards per play. Um the Cleveland Browns averaged over five yards a carry running the football. The reason the Bengals were in the football game is they won the turnover ratio by two, and they had a fourth down stop in the red zone. So they had three possessions that ended with no form of a kick, and uh, the Cleveland Browns had no takeaways and no fourth down stops. So um, I think you know the Bengals went for it once on fourth down and converted and Cleveland didn't when they tried it on fourth down in the, in the red zone. So I think that's why the football game stayed close and got to give the Bengals credit. I mean, one of those takeaways, as you mentioned, you know, that, that, I thought that was one of the big things 
talked about before the game and the keys to the game was that they could get some kind of unconventional, unscripted score like Cleveland got in the first matchup with the Bengals early in the game. Uh, that, w- that, would, that would make things a lot more palatable, and, and they got it done and because uh, they were down 14 at that point, and it was looking a little bleak, but they cut the lead in half. And, you know, it's just like in the first matchup. I mean, the, the Bengals go on a 12-play, 75-yard drive, throw a pick six. Then they go on a nine-play, 75-yard drive, 21 snaps, 150 yards, and the score is 7-7. And Cleveland hasn't run a snap. So those unconventional scores can be big, and the Bengals got themselves one. Nearly all of the Bengals starters sat out the regular season finale in Cleveland, but there were exceptions on the offensive line. Isaiah Prince played right tackle. Hakeem Adeniji played right guard. And then there's the situation with Jackson Carmen. If Quentin Spain does not recover quickly enough from his ankle injury, chances are Jackson Carmen will be playing left guard. Yeah, there's a, there's a good, strong chance of that. Uh, and it was it was good, really, for Isaiah Prince and Adeniji to, you know, to get more snaps together. They're both young guys. And uh, they're going to be going, say, it, say it's New England Patriots, for example. They're going to be tested, both mentally and physically. So the more snaps that they can get under their belt, the better off they, they'll be. Um, and we'll just have to, just have to, have to see. I mean, it's uh, Trey Hopkins has been limping and gimping a good part of the season. Uh, he's being held together, I think, by scotch tape right now. <laughs> and uh, so will he be able to? you know, bounce back and have a strong performance. I, I, I highly doubt Quentin Spain's going to be able to, to play in the, in the Patriots game or whoever it is in that first round of the playoffs. If he, if he does, it would be a mild upset, I think. Not a major upset, not impossible, but he's got a, he's got a pretty good ankle sprain. So the Bengals have gone 30 years, 30 seasons, without winning a playoff game. The last time they did, January 6, 1991, it hasn't been a topic of conversation all year, which is kind of good. Uh, back in the early part of the 2010 decade, that was a storyline from the first day of training camp uh, during that stretch where they went, went to the playoffs five years in a row and did not win. In this case, it's going to come up this week. It's not been this big albatross hanging over them all year long. And Zach Taylor made the uh, point during his postgame uh, news conference after the game in Cleveland to say, this team is the 20. 20- 21 Bengals. It has nothing to do with any Bengals team that's failed in the playoffs before. That's true. And, and the football team that went out on the football field against the Cleveland Browns this afternoon, all the stats that have been generated by um, the Bengals offense had nothing to do with the team that went out on the field this afternoon. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, not, even, it's not even close. Um, to the same guys out there working the way they worked all season long. So uh, that, that's, it's, there's no question about it. Uh, these guys are going to carve a history of their own. Other guys that played on those football teams carved that history. These guys have nothing to do with that history. And, and you can't, what you can't do is fall in the negativity of, oh, man, you know, you haven't won in 31, you know, it, the last time you won a playoff game, January of 1991? Are you kidding me? You can't fall in that negativity. That can be a that can be a, a rabbit hole. You don't want to fall through, you know, fall into mentally. There's no question about it. And I don't think this group will. I think Zach made another good point. Um, a young football team sometimes it's good that they don't know what they don't know. Just just continue to play. They're confident. Continue to play with confidence and let the chips fall where they may. 
Speaking of history, even though Joe Burrow did not play, he <laughs> finishes the year with 4,611 passing yards. That's a Bengals single-season record. 34 touchdown passes, also a Bengals single-season record. Passer rating of 108.3. That's a single-season Bengals record. Also the first Bengals quarterback ever to be sacked 50 times in a year. 51 right. uh, turned out to be the final number. And then there is Jamar Chase with his two catches in Cleveland. 81 catches, 1,455 yards, and 13 touchdown passes. All records uh, for a Bengals rookie. The 1455, a single-season record period for a Bengals wide receiver. He was everything the Bengals dreamed he would be and more. There's no doubt. I mean, Jamar Chase, you made a decision, all right? Our offensive line needs some fortification. Panay Sewell could have provided that. He had a good year. This guy is a playmaker, a touchdown maker extraordinaire. He is amongst the most explosive players in the National Football League immediately, right now, in his first year. And I think opposing defensive coordinators and opposing defensive players would, would say the same thing. I mean, this guy's going to draw a lot of attention. And, uh, and, and the chemistry, the magic, the uh, the, the intangibles that exist between Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are a, a sight to behold. They really are. And I don't think they're going to get worse, Dan. They're only going to get better, if anything. Next week, we get the opportunity to call a Bengals playoff win. It's been too long with Joe Burrow in charge. It's going to happen sometime soon, and hopefully it happens in his first crack at it next week. I think they have a really good shot. I mean, I think he's playing at as high a level as any quarterback in the National Football League right now. I really do. Mentally, physically, every way you can. And I, I, I think he's as important. I mean, quarterbacks are all important to their football team. But he is as important as any quarterback is to his football team. And I, I'm excited to see him play. I, I think it's going to be a show. For more on Sunday's game and the playoff game to come, join Lap and Lance McAllister for Bengals Line Monday night from 6 to 9 on 700 WLW. Now time for this week's Fun Facts segment where you get to know the person under the pads. And in this case, it's the player who scored the Bengals' only offensive touchdown on Sunday. Time for some fun facts with Bengals running back Chris Evans from the so-called racing capital of the world, Indianapolis, Indiana. What do you love about your hometown, and what were some of the things you enjoyed doing as a kid? A couple of things that I loved about my hometown is just um, basketball was just a big thing. You know what I'm saying? Everybody played basketball. And from if, if you know all your friends to the person that you don't know to the person that you know the best, everybody knows how to play basketball in some, <laughs> some capacity. So I love that, and um, I also just love just, you know what I'm saying, um, like being around the coats, you know what I'm saying? The coats um, during that time um, when Peyton Manning was there, he like was the mayor of the city, you know what I'm saying? And we always loved to see him and watch him play. And they went through the, um, won the Super Bowl, and I was just excited to see as a kid. We're doing fun facts with running back Chris Evans. You started a youth football program for kids when you were still a kid, and it's really taken off. What were the orange origins of CE Stars, and what has it grown into? Um, the origins was um, pretty much I got with my little brothers and his friends. I worked, I was a janitor at, the, um, at an elementary school in, in, in my city. Um, like before I went to college, I wanted to get some money so I could get some shoes and some clothes and stuff um, and have my own money. So I, my little brother and his friends came, will come up to my job after I'm done cleaning all the classrooms and we'll 
do some football drills. And I'm like, okay, we got enough kids. We might as well just see what we can get into. So we started playing in the league. Um, I'm about 17, 18 at the time, and we was just playing. We was winning. And I was like, dang, like I, we're, I'm about to go to college, so we're going to have to like, put this on hold. So I started, started a team in, in college. I got sponsorships and stuff like that. And um, I told, I, I called my friend um, back at home, best friend that I grew up with. I was like, we got to keep those same kids going. So as soon as we opened up a trial, we had like 40 kids come out. And um, now we just expanded to, to three states. We have a Kentucky team. Um, we're starting a Cincinnati team this year, Indianapolis, and still up in Michigan. Um, so we have over about 300 kids in the program now, and um, it just gives them an opportunity and a platform to be able to continue to get better in football over the off season and, and mainly focus. You know what I'm saying? We have tutors and stuff to help them with their grades and stuff. So. Um, just the whole picture of a student athlete and raising like a young man. It's pretty remarkable considering how young you are. And the name is interesting because you outfoxed the NCAA. Yeah, yeah I, I, I <laughs> now seeing that with the NIL and seeing all these guys making all this all this money, it, it, I'm happy for them. But I wish I could, you know, me had the opportunity. But um, it was named CE Stars. Um, I was talking to one of my mentors, and he was like, "I should be able to use my name to get this." You know what I'm saying? But then they they came at me, and then um, on the spot, um, I told them, hey, it's not Chris Evans. It's collectively evolving. And they were like, well, <clears throat> I guess that, you know what I mean? I guess you're not in trouble anymore. So he's like, yeah, so not, as of right now, um, it's still collectively evolving. But you know what I'm saying? The CE is my initial. So I kind of, some people know, some people don't know. So That's good stuff. We're visiting with Chris Evans. You loved Ohio State as a kid but wound up going to Michigan. So you said yes to Jim Harbaugh and no to Urban Meyer. Explain yourself to the Buckeyes fans listening. I was a Ohio State fan, was, um, but just I just, when I went to Michigan, I gave my commitment to uh, Coach Harbaugh, and I just I just knew, I just knew there was good energy, you know what I'm saying, with Coach Harbaugh in Michigan just now, like, at the end of the day, all the tales was, was perfect, and it was like, I felt like there was nothing like, you know what I mean, that he was hiding or anything like that. So, yeah. In your first college game at Michigan, with the official attendance, 110,222 in the big house, eight carries for 112 yards. Describe that day. Um, it was it was a um, crazy day. Um, I didn't know I was going to play that much. I was the fourth string running back. Our first string got, um, he messed up his uh, rib cage. And um, that game, it was a blowout. So they were just, you know what I'm saying, letting everybody get get some touches. And I got my eight and just took advantage of them, you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> it was a good day. I read that your cell phone died from all of the messages. Yeah, literally. It was it was my phone was kept on. When I was looking at my phone, I was getting message after message, call after call. And it was just, it was crazy just to see. Just It was just, it was the beginning of it all. Your life could be an inspirational movie because of how you dealt with a problem that you had at Michigan. You got suspended for a year due to plagiarism, but the way you dealt with it is remarkable to me. Now, this is only two years ago. Describe 2019 and what you did. Um, I went through some adversity um, that I feel like a lot of people wouldn't be able to come back from. Um, got suspended for a year. Instead of going home, I stayed in my, in my house that I was in in, in Ann Arbor, and I got a couple jobs. Um, delivery driver, special teams coach at a high school, and um, contractor assistant. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, I'll just be sitting there, be like, "Give me the screwdriver," and I just gotta find it. I give it to him, or I'll be holding drywall up and stuff like that, and and doing the little nuance stuff. But 
it taught me a lot. It just taught me about just keep my head down and keep pushing. And I mean, now just with those skills, I can like fix things in my own in my own house. <laughs> so in my mom's house, I fixed her drywall last last year, and I was like, I know how to do this stuff. So it was good. And and also, I just use my resources too. Just as much resources as I had. Like I worked at the the delivery delivery spot, so I could eat three meals a day. You know what I'm saying? That mm-hmm. I have to pay for. So. Um, I just used everything just to save money. I was actually in the real world, and I was like, I'm going to stay away from this as long as I can. You know what I'm saying? I got to work a real, real job. I'm sweating and, and, and holding stuff, and that's something that, that I, I don't want to do. And my dad taught me not to, like, that's not what you want to do. You want to be doing what you want to do and, and not, you know what I'm saying, heavy lifting and stuff like that. So that's what I took from it. So you overcame it. You earned your scholarship back. You earned your degree does that mean that much more considering the path you had to go through to get there? Yeah, I, I, I mainly just wanted to graduate. I, I mean, it was a COVID year. Season got canceled and uncanceled. Then it was just a – but I just knew taking 21 credits this last semester, I was like, this is the – this will truly, like, show that, like, I really got through this. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of guys leave school and, and don't get the degree, and then they got to go back or they don't end up going back. And I was like – Knock, knock all this out, tutors, all that stuff, and just, just get it done so I can get up out of here. So after your senior year at Michigan, you earned an invitation to the Senior Bowl and knocked it out of the park. How did that impact your life? Uh, it, it impacted crazy. Um, I was about to go back home. Um, Jim Nagy called me and was like, do you want to wear the wing helmet one more time? And I was like, definitely. So when I went down there, I was like, literally, I can't go wrong down here. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm not, I wasn't even supposed to be here, so I'm just going to take – advantage of everything I can get, you know what I'm saying, coaching and stuff like that. So um, that's one reason that um, Coach Zach Taylor um, said to help me, you know what I'm saying, because he asked me to draw up a protection. And uh, when I was drawing, I kind of like seen their faces as I was drawing because I was kind of, like that whole time I was nervous really, but I didn't I didn't expect that, that I'd be here in Cincinnati. So you impressed them in Mobile. They selected you in the sixth round. Mm-hmm. Describe your draft experience. The Falcons was telling me that they were going to draft me for sure. So they had two picks in the fifth. They had two picks in the fifth back-to-back, and I was like, oh, I'm for sure going to get that one. <laughs> so then um, they didn't get I didn't, they didn't get the call. So And I had two phones at the time. I got one phone just for all the teams. I had a number of them. So um, after those two picks, I was like, man, I got all these people at my, um, at my house, and I just hope I get drafted because I don't want to go undrafted. So um, I went outside. I took a walk with my mom. And um, some a Cincinnati number calls my other phone. And I'm like, all all the teams got this number, but so I called it, and he's like, "This is Zach Taylor, and with Cincinnati Bengals." And and I um, I was like, "Oh snap!" Like it was like, and my we was walking. It was about a hundred yards from my house, and um, I told my mom like, "Yo, we gotta get back." You know what I'm saying? Before I come on, so we was running down the street, and um, I told everybody. I, Cut the music off, like you know, turn the TV up, you know what I'm saying, stuff like that. So it was, um, it was a crazy experience, and I was one of the most stressful times of my life. Like that whole day, like I couldn't. It was, it was crazy. A few wild card categories to wrap things up with Chris Evans. Your Twitter handle is kiddenplay underscore abc one two three. I assume it's a reference to your high top fade, similar to the uh, kid from the rap duo Kid and Play. I made that handle when I was little. Uh, well, I'm about eighth grade, ninth grade, or seventh, eighth grade when I first got my haircut. And um, yeah, I just I love that show. I love Fresh Prince of Bel Air and all stuff like that. So that was the inspiration behind it. Do you have any hidden talents? 
Hidden talents. I, I can fix it. Whatever you need, I got it. I, uh, I can fix a tire. I can fix a. Uh, I can do a lot of stuff, a lot of handy stuff. And I feel like my hidden talent is uh, when something goes bad, like when something goes wrong, I'm I'm good at um, like making it work. You know what I'm saying? So like just in an everyday situation, if something happens, it doesn't happen, and like I can just keep the keep the group calm. Like okay, like this is what we're gonna do. You know what I'm saying? Just because I like to keep one. I like that. Don't get high. Don't get too low. You know what I'm saying? Just keep, stay steady and just, just stay locked in. You're a problem solver. Every group needs a problem solver. Exactly. What are you terrible at? I'm terrible at getting shots. I don't like getting shots. Like the, mm. like the, I hate needles. I hate, hate stuff like that. And I just, I was the kid that the they had to get the big nurse to go hold me down to get to get my <laughs> shot. So uh, I hate, I hate needles. All right, you just became my wife's favorite player because she hates getting shots. If you could meet anybody in history, athlete, actor, politician, religious figure, whoever it might be, who would that person be? Martin Luther King. I want to be Martin Luther King just because I want to, and not just about just what he did and how he did it, just but like I love the process and I love just, it's not what you see on Sundays, it's what you see through, you know what I'm saying, Monday through Saturday. That's why I like, I mean, some of the, like Joe Mixon, for example, he practices hard every day, you know what I'm saying, so what happens on Sunday is, just what he's been doing all week. So just, just to see how intriguing like his process was, just being all the adversity he had to go through and him being a leader and you know what I'm saying? So I want to meet him. You are off the hot seat. I appreciate your time. Best of luck the rest of the year. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, brought to you by Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play next-level fantasy football game. Download it now from the App Store and Google Play. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.